0: You're going to love this Just love it
1: Crank it up
2: Well I don't know why I came here tonight To deliver
1: the news I got
2: the feeling that something ain't
1: right The news that something I'm ain't right I'm just
2: kidding and kiss I fall of my chair
1: but I ain't scared. And I
2: wondering how I get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with
1: you. Yes, I am. And I'm stuck in the middle with you right do. here on the Bradcast. Yes, on Pacifica Radios, KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest in China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, on Liberal Justice Radio, and now on iTunes? Yeah, that's what they tell me. Now we're on iTunes. What do you know? I am Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen investigative blogger, Journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com here with another live edition of the Bradcast with a lot going on this week. Uh, I I don't know that we're going to be able to get through to phones or not, uh, given how much we now have to cover today as news continues to break but uh, you can try to tweet me on the Twitters. I am at the Brad Blog. Um, we're going to cover a lot of stuff that uh, you probably haven't heard about, but that is going on and and is as important as the indictment of the Republican former Republican Governor of Virginia, Bob McDonald, or the investigations into the uh, former frontrunner for the twenty sixteen presidential election, Chris Christie. Uh, and it's all about elections. It's all about elections. Those of us who, who, those of you who listen to the Bradcast, who read Bradblog.com, know that we cover uh, elections. We cover democracy. We do cover the horse race, but more importantly, we cover the track conditions. And we've got a lot of news about those track conditions uh, developing this afternoon and has uh, developing over the last couple of weeks in some stories that have not been discussed as all of the uh, oxygen is sort of being sucked out of the air, understandably, by these corruption charges in Virginia, by the corruption investigation in New Jersey, and uh, just generally by the fact that the mainstream media likes to follow the shiny objects. In this case, momentarily, Excuse me. We're going to get to uh, a story about Carl Rove getting away with it again. Yes, Craig Holman from the uh, from Public Citizen is going to be here to explain how the FEC just let Carl Rove and all of his friends, frankly, the Koch brothers and everyone else, off the hook uh, with with a new ruling that uh, almost no one is talking about. Uh, if the radio gods are with us uh, a little bit later, we'll be talking about the return of red-baiting. Yes, red-baiting returns, this time aided by David Gregory, George Stephanopoulos, and even California Senator Diane Feinstein. It's just appalling. We'll have information on California's drought emergency, Halliburton getting off the hook for destroying evidence after the BP spill, And uh, Freedom Industries in West Virginia hoping to get off the hook as well. We'll have all of that in our Green News report, as always, coming up with Desi Doyen a little bit later. Also, uh, good news. Some good news findings on uh, photo ID restrictions in Pennsylvania. At least good news for those who care about voting. Not so good for those who uh, are more interested in voter suppression, like the Republicans out there in Pennsylvania, a possible fix to the Voting Rights Act and all of uh, all of that and much more straight ahead. Before I get to Karl Rove getting off the hook and Car- and uh, Craig Holman joining us um, this just breaking this afternoon, the Bipartisan Presidential Commission on Election Administration and Reform has released their report. This is the report Uh, That was uh, requested by the president by executive order. You may recall in uh, 2012, once again, we had lines going around the block in uh, state after state in Ohio, in Florida, in Virginia, people standing in line for hours trying to vote. And you may remember on election night 2012 uh, when Barack Obama came out and uh, declared victory, he said, I want to thank every American who participated in this election, whether you voted for the first time or waited in line for a very long time. And then he added, by the way, we have to fix that. Yeah, you think? Uh, He spoke about it again in his inauguration speech uh, at the beginning of 2013, saying that our journey is not complete until no citizen is forced to wait hours to exercise the right to vote. And um, I'm sorry, that was at his second inauguration in 2013. And then again at his State of the Union address uh, a few days later, he put this bipartisan commission together. They have now come back with their recommendations for... Modernization of the register registration process through continued expansion of online voter registration, not voting, online voter registration, uh, and expanding the state collaboration in improving the accuracy of voter lists. They uh, put forward recommendations, measures to improve access to the polls through expansion of the period for voting before the traditional election day. That would be early voting. That's good news. Uh, and through the selection of suitable, well-equipped polling place facilities such as schools. They also discuss state-of-the-art techniques to assure efficient management of polling places, including tools. The commission is publicizing and recommending for the efficient allocation of polling place resources and reforms of the standard setting and certification process for new voting technology. This part concerns me. uh, To address soon-to-be-antiquated voting machines, soon to be antiquated, soon to be antiquated voting machines and to encourage innovation and the adoption of widely available off-the-shelf technologies. Uh, we will have much more on this uh, report, I suspect, in the weeks ahead. There's a lot to cover in there, and it's just breaking this afternoon. One point I want to uh, mention very quickly, however, before we go, uh, go to Craig Holman here. Uh, the report says on page 56, quote, fraud is rare. But when it does occur, absentee ballots are often the method of choice. This is something that I've been covering for the past decade at Bradblog.com for the past several years here on the Bradcast. Um, As Republicans try to institute their polling place photo photo ID restrictions, those are not meant to stop voter fraud. Those are meant to stop voters from voting. It cannot be said enough. And this uh, report which was put together by 10 bipartisan commissioners, including Barack Obama's top election attorney and Mitt Romney's top election attorney. It was a unanimous report that unanimously agreed on everything in here. And they wrote that fraud is rare, but when it does occur, it occurs uh, via absentee ballots. That's something I've been pointing out for years as Democrats by the way, have been trying to expand the use of vote by mail and absentee ballots, despite the fact that, yeah, where there is fraud by voters, that's where it's done uh, via absentee ballots. So I uh, I'm sure Republicans will notice that uh, that remark about fraud being rare. They won't be happy about it. Democrats may be happy about it, but Democrats may miss that second part of the sentence absentee ballots are often the method of choice when it comes to fraud. All right, much more on that uh, a little bit later and in the weeks ahead, I suspect. um, Related to all of this, no matter how, uh, you know, when it comes to election reform and whether people can vote and whether people can have the right to vote, at the same time, the entire system is being gamed. And it's especially since uh, Citizens United four years ago this week uh, just, you know, unleashed dark money on our electoral system so that nobody has any idea, frankly, who's paying for all of this. Who are these people? Who are these billionaires who have completely taken over our electoral system? Well, uh, a a group that I'm involved with uh, and a number of other groups filed a complaint after the 2010 election. We filed a complaint with the Federal Election Commission. And uh, the groups uh, included uh, Public Citizen, uh, Center for Media and Democracy, uh, a campaign legal center and protect our elections, which by way of full disclosure is an offshoot campaign of VelvetRevolution.us, of which Bradblog.com is a founder. Well, this week in the New York Times, finally, the New York Times has noticed that the Federal Election Commission has made a decision about this complaint, which goes back three years. Here's what the editorial board Uh, wrote about this decision earlier this week. Quote, For all its signature dysfunction, the Federal Election Commission has a staff of professionals working to track big money and shady behavior in the nation's congressional and presidential campaigns. A dramatic and until now overlooked example of good staff work surfaced this month in a finding that Crossroads GPS, the shadowy money-raising monolith of Karl Rove and other Republican strategists, probably broke the election law in 2010 when it claimed that much of its blatantly partisan campaign activities were, quote, social welfare initiatives. The staff report properly recommended an in-depth investigation of the Rove operation, suggesting it should be registered as a political committee that would have to disclose its donors instead of concealing them under the guise of social beneficence. The investigation, the New York Times adds, Never happened. To discuss why the investigation never happened and if it ever will, I'm joined now by Craig Holman, Ph.D. and government affairs lobbyist for Public Citizens Congress Watch. You can get more on Public Citizen, of course, at citizen dot Craig Holman, welcome, sir, to the broadcast.
0: Hey, glad to be here, Brad, and I'm I'm delighted you are drawing attention to this issue. On the anniversary of the Citizens United decision. Yeah. Very appropriate.
1: Well, uh, four years ago that happened. That unleashed all of this money, and the Supreme Court said at the time, well, we have things in place. We have the Federal Election uh, Commission in place. They can oversee this sort of thing. They will assure that when people spend money that uh, it will be a transparent process. Uh, I don't know what world the Supreme Court was living in at the time when they came up with that decision, because that's clearly not the world we have. Have here and clearly this finding by the FEC underscores that okay before we get into the specifics Craig Holman please uh, give me give me the large picture how does a complaint to the FEC uh how, how does the complaint process work how is it investigated uh, first by the uh, office of general counsel there and then how is it dealt with with the actual commissioners on the FEC and that'll bring us up to this case and why it won't be investigated.
0: Right. A complaint filed with the Federal Election Commission, the staff first takes a look at it. And if they deem it may have merit, then the staff will do a fairly extensive or very extensive investigation. They will subpoena uh, people who are involved in the case, uh, bring them in for testimony, uh, do their own research, and then write up a a very extensive uh, report for the Federal Election Commission, a six-member commission with three Democrats and three Republicans, and then offer recommendations. And that's about as far as any of these uh, complaints then go. Because what's happened with the Federal Election Commission is Mitch McConnell, back in about 2008, realized that even though he can't get Congress to uh, rescind campaign finance laws, and he certainly can't sell the public on rescinding campaign finance laws, he realized that if he were to appoint three Republican commissioners to the FEC, he can ensure that the campaign finance laws don't get enforced. And that's exactly what has happened. Uh, since 2008, 2009, we saw a ninefold increase in 3 3 deadlocked votes right along party lines, the Republicans consistently voting not to enforce the campaign finance laws. And once you have a deadlocked federal election commission, that means no decision is made, and so nothing happens any further. So
1: the FEC Uh, FEC is essentially able to stop, block any action, any enforcement of any laws that the FEC is supposed to be uh, overseeing and enforcing. They can stop all of that simply... By a deadlocked vote, three Republicans, three Democrats. If the three Republicans say uh, no, we we don't see any problems here. Then that's it. That's the end of uh, the enforcement of the laws. That's the last chance that uh, Americans may have to have uh, their their election laws actually enforced. It stops dead in its tracks when this happens uh, with the FEC commissioners. Am I correct?
0: Yes, that's as far as it goes, unless some group can have uh, can claim standing in courts. And then sue the Federal Election Commission, which is exactly what Public Citizen is about to do. I mean, this classic case dealing with the Crossroads complaint is is, is just ripe for uh, for litigation, and so Public Citizen will be uh, proceeding with that. Uh, let me fill you in on, yeah. on what this Crossroads complaint is. Yes, I mean, please. We, we we filed this in October of 2010. The Federal Election Commission staff, which, by the way, I, I have the highest praise for. I mean, these are people who take campaign finance law very seriously, and they believe in their job. And that's they that's did,
1: separate, Craig. That's separate from the commissioners themselves. You're talking about the, the staff, the people who actually do the real work around there,
0: right? That's right. The staff, the right. general counsel's office. And they did an extensive investigation in our crossroads complaint. What we filed uh, with the FEC was arguing that crossroads uh, has spent so much money on electioneering activity and made public comments to the fact that they are focusing on electing members uh... republicans especially to congress that they should identify themselves as a political committee rather than a nonprofit social welfare organization and file with the FEC as a political committee. If they do that, then they'd have to disclose their donor sources. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this crossroads is, is the behemoth of electioneering mm-hmm. uh, non-profit groups. And the general counsel and the staff completely agreed with us and recommended to the FEC, uh, you know, Crossroads GPS has spent at least fifty three percent of their entire budget on electioneering activity and so, you know, it's it's a hands down call. This is a political committee. Their major purpose is electing uh, Republicans to Congress w- or or trying to defeat the election of uh, Obama at the time as well.
1: And I should point yeah. out, when when you mentioned that uh, uh, Crossroads GPS, Karl Rove's group has filed as a social welfare organization, what we're talking about is they have filed as a 501C4, which allows them c uh, C4, I believe, right? Not C3 in this case. A C4. That's correct. C4. Uh, a C4, which allows them uh, to not have to immediately disclose their donors to keep those donors a secret uh, for quite some time. And that's exactly what this pretend fight uh, a few months ago at the IRS was all about. Uh, The IRS trying to enforce, to some extent, uh, these C4 organizations and make sure that they were actually social welfare organizations instead of political outfits, as this one clearly was. Uh, Maybe we'll get into that in a moment, but you mentioned, uh, Craig Holman, that they found 53 percent of what Crossroads spent was on election. At least 63 percent was on, uh, you know, direct spending on elections. That was in the Democrat, uh, the Democratic Committee's uh, commissioners' um, re- response to all of this, and and that is also what the staff found. However, the Republican commissioners uh, put out a 28-page response to all of this with some rather tortured explanations that maybe you can make more sense of than I. But what they found out was, they claim anyway, that it wasn't a majority of the money that was spent on elections. It was only 36 percent of Crossroads GPS total spending well below the threshold, they say, for spending necessary to meet the major purpose test. Can you explain that and how they came up with completely different math. Boy, talk about crow Rove having his math. How did they come out with totally different math to say, uh, oh, no, they, they're spending a minority on, uh, on on election-related
0: activities? There were two ways in which they, they the Republican commissioners rigged the math on this one. In the first is that they counted for electioneering activity only express advocacy ads only ads that count as actual independent expenditures in which the ad says vote for or vote against or elect they did not count electioneering communication advertisements in which uh, in which the ad doesn't actually say vote for mm-hmm. but it cast the candidate in a, almost always a very negative light uh, right near the election, which is clearly designed to uh, influence how one votes. If, if you think about it, I mean, really almost no one actually says vote for. Even candidate ads don't say vote for me. Uh, they they say, uh, you know, this candidate, you know, I, I'm a nice guy, I'm a good father. Uh, think of that when the election rolls around. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, no one, no one actually just says vote well, for. And most electioneering ads are electioneering communications. We have defined electioneering communications as federal election activity in in uh, in the McCain-Feingold law that was approved back in two thousand two. Oh yeah, I remember that. How quaint. Yes, so we have yes. a clear definition <laughs> of federal election activity, and the Republican commissioners just decided not to use that definition. Instead, they just created their own definition they
1: created their own like definition to
0: say express advocacy right and that's all they count towards
1: it. well they, they created their own definition and then they created their own calendar if i understand this correctly um the the complaint was uh filed about spending before the two thousand before the 2010 election and so it looked at how much money was raised and then spent by this group on the 2010 election the republicans on the fec however said oh no you can't look at spending in only one year. You have to spread it out over several years. Uh, we're going to use uh, Crossroads GPS, Karl Rove's operation. We're going to use their own fiscal year rather than the actual calendar election year. Is that? Do I understand that correctly?
0: You've got that correct. That is the second uh, way in which the math was rigged. Uh, they let, actually, Karl Rove select the time period that is going to be evaluated. Of course so they did. Of, it, it, so <laughs> instead of actually calculating the expenditures by Crossroads GPS during the election cycle, uh, Karl Rove decided he wants to pick, as his fiscal year, June 1, 2010 through May thirty first 2011. That means a little bit of the election cycles in there, but mostly it's it, it's after the election, when which uh, you know Crossroads GPS was doing more issue advocacy rather than electioneering, and the Republican commissioner said, "Okay, we will let Carl Rove pick his own time period a self-selected fiscal year." And that's what they went with. You put those Uh, two together where you only count express advocacy ads, and then you rig the election period in which you're tallying up those ads, and you're going to end up with just 36% political spending by crossroads. uh, That's that's uh, what the Republican commissioners
1: did. That's what the Republican Republican commissioners did. Uh, there, There's really, I guess, no way to appeal that other than filing a lawsuit. I was going to ask you, uh, you know, if the Republican argument that they put forth uh, compared to the Democratic argument that was put forth by the uh, three Democratic commissioners, if that, you know, if, if those, because le- they're really legal arguments, they were, they were really drafting out legal cases in their uh, responses to this. I was going to ask if you felt those Could Stand up uh, in a court of law. But in fact, I guess we're going to have a chance to find out uh, as public citizen and these other groups, Campaign Legal Center, Center for Media and Democracy and Protect Our Elections are about to file a lawsuit. Uh, Is that the way to appeal the FEC finding to file a lawsuit against the FEC in this case?
0: yes that is exactly what we're going to do i mean it's it's going to be an uphill battle and you know public citizen fully realizes that the courts tend to defer to administrative agencies when they make a ruling as to how to implement the law uh... so it's it's going to be a difficult battle but i think we stand a fairly good chance in this particular case just because of the whole history of the Federal Election Commission, I mean the fact that uh, the FEC now has a long history of deadlocking and is and doesn't make decisions, and is quite frankly incapable of making decisions. We are going to carry that message to the courts and say this agency is not only came out with a lack of a decision in this one case. They do it all the time. This agency is broken, so we need the courts to step in and start evaluating the merits of some of these cases, particularly the Crossroads GPS case.
1: And and the case that you'll be filing is essentially saying what, that the uh, Federal Election Commission is not uh, doing their job, that they are violating the law because they are purposely not enforcing the laws that they are statutorily required to enforce?
0: That is going to be the nature of the case. We cannot file a lawsuit against Crossroads GPS itself, Mm -hmm. uh, because Crossroads now has the green lights from the Federal Election Commission. So what we have to do is file the case against the Federal Election Commission and argue that it is not doing its job. It is shirking its responsibilities, and it is not following the law. And uh, that's going to be the nature of our court case.
1: Uh, Craig Holman, it's a fascinating case. I'm stunned, frankly, that it has not gotten more attention. But, you know, I I guess it's not, you know, all all that sexy Uh, for for the mainstream corporate media. They'd rather, uh, you know, look at uh, corruption and and so forth. But, you know, this underscores our elections in this uh, in this decade, in 2014, in 2016. Moving ahead, Karl Rove. Uh, and his billionaire buddies have just been given the uh, the thumbs up to pretty much do whatever they want. And the message has been sent that the FEC, even if you complain about them, the FEC isn't going to do a damn thing about it. Uh, so much to, uh, uh, to, to find out as we move ahead. Craig, I just want to point out uh, to people who may not understand, because we have covered this at Bradblog.com, uh, people on the Republicans on that FEC. Uh, One of them, for example, is Caroline Hunter. She is a GOP operative. She was appointed uh, uh, by Bush uh, first to the EAC and uh, then to the Federal Election Commission. She was involved in the infamous GOP voter caging emails back in Ohio in 2004. It's a disgrace that she's on the commission, in my opinion, um, and uh, frankly, that the Democrats in Congress Uh, approved her to be added to the commission. But I guess if they didn't, we'd end up with something like what we have at the Election Assistance Commission, which is no commissioners at all. So what a mess we have, uh, Craig Holman. Uh, Thanks for uh, continuing to fight, uh, and and I hope this case gets more attention as it moves forward. Please stay in touch with us um, as it does, because if no one else will cover it, well, Craig,
0: we will. I certainly will keep you informed And thanks for uh, drawing some public attention to this case
1: You bet Uh, Doing our best And we're going to keep doing that Craig Holman from uh, the Government Affairs Lobbyist From Public Citizens Congress Watch Check out his work more on this case at Citizen.org And yeah, well, Bradblog.com, I suppose Thanks,
0: Craig Take care, Brad
1: Yeah, man, that case makes me crazy. Uh, much more straight ahead on the Brad C- Bradcast, including Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. More election news and, yes, red baiting all ahead right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. You're listening to commercial-free KPFK.
0: It's what's on your radio.
2: Join us on Sojourner Truth every Tuesday to Friday, 7 to 8 a.m. Tune in for weekly roundtables, special series, in-depth interviews, open phones, guest hosts, youth-produced stories, our special commentary teams, and more. Our coverage is local, national, and international. Check us out and tell everyone you know to tune in. Sojourner Truth every Tuesday to Friday, 7 a.m., for Fearless Drive Time Radio on KPFK. Follow Sojourner Truth on Twitter at SoTrueKPFK. This is your host, Margaret Prescott.
0: KPFK listeners have been asking, what happened to Access Unlimited? Well, we've moved to Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8 at 90.7 FM. We'll be on the radio then. You
1: gave me hope, not just the old
0: From Russia With love Yeah.
1: Welcome back. This is your broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman from I've bradblog.com Live on Pacifica Radio. Glad you could join us. Um, uh, speaking of things that make me crazy and outraged, uh, over the... <sighs> You would think that this was, you know, 1953, Joseph McCarthy. You would think this was uh, uh, Richard Nixon, this era that we live in. And instead, it's not. It's 2014, right? 2014, and on the Sunday shows, we saw a round of red-baiting against Edward Snowden on our public airwaves. I couldn't believe this. Uh, including, you know, while guys like David Gregory and George Stephanopoulos all just stood by, let it happen, let this crap go out on the air. This was amazing to me. And it happened, by the way, on all of the shows, Meet the Press, uh, ABC This Week, CBS Face the Nation. It happened all at once, all at the same time, for some odd reason, beginning with Congressman Mike Rogers of... Michigan, who decided it was perfectly appropriate to go on the air and uh, make claims about the NSA contractor turned whistleblower Edward Snowden, uh, and that he was oh maybe working for someone else.
0: But how how access level do you
1: think? Who who who, it well? I will let me just say this. I I believe there's a reason he ended up in the hands. Uh, the loving arms of an FSB agent in Moscow. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. Number one. Huh. Number two. And let me just talk about. Did the Russians important. help, Ed Stone? Uh, I, I believe there's questions to be answered there. Questions. I don't think it's uh, it was a Gwiz luck event that he ended up in <sighs> Moscow. Uh, under the handling of the FSB. that's a significant development if true uh, well, I said we have we have questions we have to answer, but as somebody who used to do investigations, uh, some of the things we're finding we would call clues that certainly would indicate to me that he had some help uh, and he stole things that had nothing to do with privacy and if- uh, so that's a significant development if true. Says David Gregory. Uh, Well, I, I have questions. This is called an investigation. We have what we would call clues. Oh, my. Clues? That's significant. You've got clues? Yes. Moscow. Red baiting. Communists. Edward Snowden. This was on the public airwaves on network television on Sunday. That was Congressman Mike Rogers, Republican from Michigan. So, yeah, we, you know, we'd expect that from a, a, an irresponsible Republican. Oh, wait, on the same show with David Gregory, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, the, the great uh, Democratic senator from the great state of California. Here's what she had to say. Do you think you agree with Chairman Rogers that he may have had help from the Russians?
2: He may well have. We don't know at this stage, but I think to glorify this act is really to set sort of a new, uh, a new level of dishonor, Um, and and this goes to where Mm -hmm. these data, this metadata goes, because the NSA are professionals. They are limited in number to 22, who have access to the data. Two of them are supervisors. They are vetted. They are carefully supervised. The data goes anywhere else. How do you provide that level
1: of supervision? (sighs) So this is a new level of dishonor, says Dianne Feinstein, on uh, Sunday's Meet the Press with David Gregory. Gregory picking up where Mike Rogers left off, uh, tarring, implicating, giving absolutely no evidence whatsoever that Edward Snowden is somehow involved with the Russians. And that would, if true, for which we have no evidence, but if true, it would be a new level of dishonor. The Democratic senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, shame on you, Di-Fi. Shame on you, Senator. Shame on you, David Gregory, for allowing this crap to go out, for not pointing out that, yes, but we have absolutely no evidence of the outrageous claims you're making of this quote-unquote new level of dishonor that you're charging. But it wasn't only on Meet the Press on Sunday. For some odd reason, on the very same day, on all three Sunday shows, this crap was coming out. This was ABC This Week with George Stephanopoulos with uh, Congressman Mike McCall, Republican from Texas.
0: Hey, listen, I don't don't think uh, Snowden, Mr. Snowden, woke up one day and had the wherewithal
1: to do this uh, all by himself. I think uh, he was helped by others. Uh, the Russians? You know, to say definitively, uh, I, can't, I, I can't answer that. But I, I personally uh, believe that he was cultivated uh, by foreign power uh, to do what he did. And I, I would submit again that he's not a, a hero by any stretch. He's a traitor. Uh, he, he lives not a very traitor. far down the street from where I am right now, enjoying probably less freedoms today here in Russia than he had in the United States of America. That's a pretty serious charge, sir. Which foreign power do you believe cultivated Edward Snowden? I, again, I can't give a definitive statement on that. No. I, but I think given uh, all the evidence I know uh, Mike Rogers has access to, uh, you know, that I've seen that uh, I don't think he was acting alone. Yeah, so I, I can't give all of the evidence. In fact, I can give none of it. It's congressman... Uh... Mike McCall of Texas repeating what Congressman Mike Rogers uh, had to say about this uh, repeating what Senator Diane Feinstein had to say about this smearing Edward Snowden for his part Edward Snowden was uh, you know during an interview with Jane Mayer uh, was was forced to come out and respond to these unevidenced charges if they're true hey if they're true they're stunning they're shocking put forward evidence Don't come forward and smear. So uh, Snowden said that these are uh, that he clearly this is, quote, clearly and unambiguously acted alone with no assistance from anyone, much less a government. He told Jane Mayer, he said that these charges uh, about these charges, it won't stick because it's clearly false. And the American people are smarter than politicians think they are. Uh, I hope so. He went on to say that it's uh, it's not the smears that mystify me, Snowden told me, uh, told uh, her it's that outlets report statements that the speakers themselves admit are sheer speculation. Snowden said it's just amazing that these massive media institutions don't have any sort of editorial position on this. I mean, these are pretty serious allegations, you know, he said the media. Yeah, they're pretty serious. Uh, He was called a traitor there. That's punishable by death. Just in case you don't know, just in case you haven't read the Constitution lately. Uh, He continued, the media has a major role to play in American society, and they're really abdicating their responsibility to hold power to account. Trevor Tim over at the Freedom of the Press Foundation uh, points out that this exact same tactic, the exact same way uh, to, to smear someone, to smear a whistleblower, was used back in 1973 to smear Daniel Ellsberg. This is from the New York Times, August 11, 1973. Uh, Quote, an attorney for Daniel Ellsberg has chided the Senate Watergate Committee for failing to challenge what he called, quote, totally false and slanderous testimony by the former White House aide, John Ehrlichman, suggesting that Dr. Ellsberg delivered copies of the Pentagon Papers to the Soviet Embassy. Quote, during his testimony before your committee, Mr. Ehrlichman repeatedly asserted that the Pentagon Papers had been given in 1971 to the Soviet embassy and implied that this might have been done by my client, Dr. Daniel Ellsberg, or with his knowledge. These allegations are made of whole cloth. They are totally false and slanderous of Dr. Ellsberg. There was more in December of 1973. The same sort of smears. Quote, one was a fear nourished in part, some sources said, by Henry Kissinger, then the president's national security advisor, that Daniel Ellsberg, who said he turned over the Pentagon Papers to the press, might pass on to the Soviet Union secrets far more important than any information contained in the Pentagon study of the Vietnam War. You get the idea. This is a tried and true tactic. It hasn't gone away. You'd think it would be gone after uh, after Watergate. You'd think it'd be gone after McCarthy. But it ain't gone. It's alive and well. In 2014, both Republicans and Democrats are doing it. The media is allowing it, and it's absolutely appalling. And they're allowing Mike Rogers to do it, who is a known liar. Congressman Mike Rogers has gone on these very same shows before and blatantly lied. And then he's invited back. Uh, I don't have time to read some of these uh, lies that he has told in the past, uh, but that's what he does. He's a liar, and the media welcome him back. The big anchors welcome him back. You know, I'm reminded uh, throughout all of this, uh, those who are, are familiar with my work at bradblog.com knows that know that for years we covered the story of FBI whistleblower Sibel Edmonds. And uh, the ACLU called her the most gagged woman in the world. She was not allowed to speak about what she learned uh, while uh, performing as a translator at the FBI after 9-11. The Bush administration twice invoked the state secrets privilege on her, not allowing her to speak, not allowing her to even go to court, to even present what she knew in a court. Um, Finally... She went all the way to the Supreme Court. She was uh, sick of it, of not being able to. And mi- mind you, by the way, uh, she had spoken uh, in in the uh, secure, what they call the skiff, at the uh, Congress with a number of congressmen, a number of senators who came out, found her to be credible, said as much, said that she should be allowed uh, uh, to tell her story. Um, but she was not. So she came to bradblog.com. I had been covering her story for a long, long time. And she said, "Brad, I'm now willing to tell everything. I'm willing to, uh, you know, risk being thrown in jail if that's the case. Uh, I will tell the story to any major media outlet who wants to, uh, you know, give me the opportunity to do so. To tell it either live or unedited, uh, a pre-tape, but run it unedited as quickly as possible after the interview." We ran the story. It was a huge, it was a blockbuster story. Dan Ellsberg uh, came in and guest blogged at Bradblog.com. He said that what Sibel Edmonds had to say was more explosive even than the Pentagon Papers. Sixty Minutes had previously covered her story some years earlier, but once she said, Oh, I want to tell everything, Sixty Minutes didn't come a knocking. As a matter of fact, nobody came a knocking. None of the US media outlets came a knocking at all. The story at Brad Blog was front page news all over the world. But not here in the US. Not here in the US, where none of these mainstream media outlets were willing to give her the time of day to tell her story. Well, there was one, ABC News. ABC actually contacted me, and I, you know, found myself serving as a bit of a go-between. ABC News contacted me, uh, someone from there, and, and said, well, we'd like to talk to Sabelle. And uh, her conditions were very clear. She wanted it to be done either live or, or in an unedited interview. Um, and this person from ABC said, well, no, we can't do that. We, we can't just put her on TV live and let her tell her story. We have to vet it. We have to report it out. We can't just let her go on and, and make accusations about the Bush administration, uh, about uh, many Democrats, about a whole bunch of uh, folks in Congress that they're being blackmailed and uh, selling off nuclear secrets and everything else. Uh, we can't just let them do that. And I said, really, why can't you? You let uh, Dick Cheney go on your airwaves all the time and do exactly that. And, of course, that's just what ABC News did this week with Congressman Mike Rogers uh, and, and what uh, NBC uh, Meet the Press did and what CBS Face the Nation did. We didn't play that clip, but it was done there, too. Mike Rogers was there, too. You're an elected official. You get to go on the air and say anything you want. I had to watch my language. Anything you want, you can go ahead and say it. You can call someone a traitor. You can call it treason. You can say, uh, yeah, this guy committed treason, which is punishable by death. And I have no evidence of it. And it's outrageous. But uh, I'm an investigator and we have clues, none of which I'm going to tell you about. But if you're a whistleblower, we can't have that happen. Shame on you, David Gregory. Shame on you, uh, George Stephanopoulos, for allowing this kind of crap to go on the airwaves, to not give Edward Snowden uh, 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 even the opportunity to respond. Things are getting worse, not better. I, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm just amazed by it. I know, I know. we got to get to the green news uh, shortly here. I'm going to point. Yeah, it makes me angry. Uh, I'm going to point folks to BradBlog.com for more um, on uh, on the Pennsylvania of photo ID case because this is uh, really big. It's really important. We'll no doubt be covering it in the weeks ahead. Uh, our own uh, legal analyst Ernie Canning did a great job of uh, covering this uh, this verdict in this Pennsylvania case. I'll give you what happened very quickly because it too has gotten buried in. Uh, shinier news over the last week or so. Uh, Last year, you may remember, oh, I should say, actually, it was 2012 already. Uh, In 2012, the Republicans in Pennsylvania passed a new law requiring photo identification uh, state-issued, very specific types of state-issued photo identification be presented at the polling place before anyone would be allowed to vote. Uh, That law was put on hold. That law meant to keep Democratic-leaning voters from voting was put on hold by the courts. A temporary injunction was put in place uh, through the 2012 election pending um, a full trial on the merits. That full trial happened last summer, and the judge has recently come out with his findings that, uh, in fact— uh, requiring state-issued photo ID in this case, the way the Republicans have imp- implemented this law, is in violation of the Pennsylvania state constitution, which uh, includes a fundamental right to vote. And fundamental rights, can uh, they can actually be taken away, but only in uh, in the case of a compelling governmental interest, a compelling state interest. And in fact... The Republicans who were pushing this case, the Republican administration, uh, was unable to show any compelling state interest. In fact, they started the trial with a stipulation beforehand saying that they were aware of no cases of polling place voter fraud that would have been stopped by a photo ID restriction. No cases in Pennsylvania or in Pennsylvania's history. They admitted that this law that they were pretending was to stop voter fraud was to stop something that they admitted had never occurred in the state of Pennsylvania since its founding. Uh, They also claimed, however, that even if it wasn't found, even if there is no uh, voter fraud uh, in the state of Pennsylvania at the polling place, well, people think there might be. So this will give them more peace of mind. This will include this will improve the integrity of elections. Because people will know that only legal voters are casting their vote. Well, the judge rejected that, too, finding that, no, in fact, this will hurt election integrity because it will result in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of legal voters not being able to cast their vote, their legal vote, that this would actually hurt elections and election integrity rather than help them stuff we all know stuff that those of us who follow this stuff already know uh, but it's good to see a a state judge come out with that ruling the state is now deciding pennsylvania is now deciding whether they will appeal it to the pennsylvania supreme court but this fundamental right to vote this equal protection under the law that was in this um, hundred-plus page uh, verdict by the court um, may come into play now in federal cases that are arguing the same thing, that there's a fundamental right to vote. uh, There's equal protection for all under the Constitution uh, that needs to be uh, minded on the federal level as well, in places like Texas and North Carolina and Wisconsin, where federal cases are moving forward, also attempting to block these photo ID restriction laws. So uh, some good news there. We'll see uh, We'll see if it keeps up in the weeks and months ahead. All right, let's do some green news, shall we? Melting for us this week, as ever, Desi Doyen. <laughs> uh, our producer here, my co-host on the Green News Report. Uh, the rest of the country may not want to hear it because it's pretty cold out there. But it's really warm out here in uh, California.
2: Yes, a very unseasonable heat wave for January. Uh,
1: uh, A heat wave that's been going on for the last month and a half, we should note, after (laughs) the driest year in California history, which we happen to talk about in, uh, in our latest Green News report. Are you ready, madame? Yes, yes, I am. Let's kick it. It's like a shooting star that leaves a trail of lawsuits and toxic chemicals in its wake.
2: West Virginia's water polluter, Freedom Industries, declares bankruptcy. Coal responsible for 50% of U.S. water pollution. It's official, 2013, the fourth warmest year on record. Plus, we're facing uh, perhaps the worst drought that California has ever seen. Golden State, drought emergency. Arizona and New Mexico,
1: you're next. All of that and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The
0: chemical came from a storage facility run by something called Freedom Industries. So West Virginians, if you've got uncontrollable vomiting and diarrhea, let freedom ring. (laughs)
1: This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, just before we go to air today, breaking news. A Halliburton manager is given probation for destroying evidence after the 2010 BP spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. So let this be a warning to you, if you're going to destroy evidence in a very serious crime... Make sure you're a highly ranked official at a really, really, really powerful uh, corporation.
2: Yeah, and this guy was a manager. He was the highest ranking employee to face any kind of accountability. And BP is actively using the courts to alter the settlement that it negotiated and signed. Luckily, so far, the courts are not playing along.
1: Except for that part about letting the Halliburton guy go, but... Anyway, what else do you have for us today?
2: Well, first, it's official. 2013 was the fourth warmest year on record, continuing the long-term trend of rising global temperatures. That's according to scientists with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration.
1: Impossible. Fox News has told me over and over the globe is cooling. But go ahead with your pretend news story, Desi Doyen.
2: Well, NASA calculates global temperatures using slightly different methods, and NASA says 2013 was the seventh warmest on record. So you've got either fourth warmest or seventh warmest on record globally.
1: Or it's getting cooler, according to Fox.
2: Or not. Both data sets show very close agreement that, except for 1998, the 10 warmest years on record have all
1: occurred since
2: 2000.
1: Luckily, Fox News doesn't use data sets.
2: As expected, a drought emergency has been declared for the state of California by Governor Jerry Brown. All citizens... Everyone should try to do at least 20% conservation of their water use. The governor has asked Californians to cut their water use, but critics point out that Brown approves of fracking in the state, which uses millions of gallons of fresh water per well. And that drought is part of a sobering trend across the Southwest. In just the last week, Arizona and New Mexico have both been warned to prepare for drought this spring and summer, with warnings that the lack of precipitation could extend into next winter. Some studies suggest the southwest may have entered a period of mega drought. That's a drought lasting more than a decade, with one new study warning that Arizona will have chronic water shortages within 15 years. It
1: should be noted that out here in California, where it is as dry as it's ever been, uh, we have had about five or six weeks now of 80-degree, even 90-degree weather with, right now, no end in sight. That is not normal for this time of year out here.
2: No, it's not. And speaking of water issues, over in West Virginia, the ongoing impacts of the toxic chemical spill over a week ago continue to unfold amid growing concerns of whether the water is now actually safe to use after the CDC recommended pregnant women avoid using it. Now, West Virginia Governor Earl Ray Tomblin on Monday tells West Virginians it's their personal decision on whether to drink the water or not.
1: It's up to the people to decide if they want to drink it. The governor is saying, hey, good luck to you. Exactly. It's amazing. You know, I've seen Very few public officials coming out with the usual righteous indignation that we see after these kind of uh, disasters, frankly. You usually see public officials calling for people's heads, promising to get to the bottom of this. Whether they mean it or not is another issue. But in West Virginia, it's kind of like, hey, you guys are on your own. Good luck to you. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah,
2: and now the company at fault for the spill, Freedom Industries, has declared bankruptcy. That's a move that sheds its liabilities and gives the company instant protection from creditors while halting action on the growing number of lawsuits filed against the company by residents and businesses.
1: This was a company that was just formed on the very last day of 2013, and now they're already declaring bankruptcy. That's right. Cause a disaster, get out of business, no one faces accountability. Welcome to America. Thanks
2: to the West Virginia chemical spill that was of a toxic chemical used to wash coal, more attention is now being paid to the costs of coal pollution. From the chemicals used to process coal to disposal of coal ash waste after burning coal, the nation's coal-fired power plants are responsible for 50% of all toxic pollution in the nation's waterways. That's 50% of all toxic pollution in the nation's waterways caused by coal.
0: West Virginia, Cole, gonna take you on a ride.
1: Thanks, Cole. Thanks, West Virginia. For much more on those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Download us anytime via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Find us and like us on the Facebook, and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your... News Report. Coal is West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, that,
2: uh, that That song was actually put out by the West Virginia Coal uh, Association, yeah. the trade group. They put out these uh, very patriotic, very bouncy songs saying, look how awesome coal
1: is. It's a ringtone. Yeah. It's actually a ringtone. They put out and they've done this a lot. They put them out around, around Christmas. Didn't they have it was like uh, singing
2: coal, coal nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> singing jingle bells. But something about how coal keeps the lights on and how awesome it is. Yeah. They uh, they have quite the thoroughly infiltrated all of West Virginia politics and the regulatory agencies there as well.
1: Do you think this will make a difference? Do you think this will turn the tide? Do you think that America, uh, Desi Doyen, is finally starting to understand the real dangers of coal be, be, You know, between what happened in West Virginia, nobody really seemingly showing up to help, and then the the story you had about 50 percent of our water pollution comes from coal? Is America getting this now? And if they are getting it, uh, will it make a difference?
2: I think, yes, America is getting it. I think that these increasing disasters sort of increase awareness for the average American. But the question is whether or not politicians, especially Congress, will do anything about it. And with the current uh, Republican majority in the House of Representatives stopping pretty much everything from happening, any new uh, legislation to uh, regulate chemicals, uh, I, I just don't see it happening anytime soon.
1: And, you know, as it gets cold again this week, uh, a snowstorm, you're going to, of course, uh, Fox News will be gearing up for the uh, new round of It's Global Cooling Out. Never mind uh, what's going on out here in California. Worst drought in history. Uh, frankly, unprecedented heat. Um,
2: I know it's a little frustrating, I, isn't it? I, yeah,
1: I need a bigger boat. I need a bigger network. <laughs> Sign me up for Fox News. I'm ready. To, I'm put me in coach.
2: No. <laughs> I'm ready to play on
1: Fox. We'll straighten him out. All right. My thanks, uh, Desi Doy and our producer here. Of course, my thanks to G, our soundboard operator. Thanks also to Craig Holman of Public Citizen, our guest this afternoon. Stay tuned. For John Wiener in the 4 o'clock report, he'll have Rick Perlstein on NSA reforms from Nixon to Obama. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll be back, same Brad time, same Brad channel next week, right here. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at the Brad Blog and at Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America.